Hi, you're listening to The Cardigan, a special series from Selfie, focusing on the intersection of psychology and self-care. I'm Kristen, a licensed therapist, a skilled catastrophizer, and mom of four. And I'm Matthias, a licensed therapist, side-eye aficionado, and a dog dad. We're going to be taking your mental health questions, chatting about our own journeys, and looking at psychology in the media. We hope you learned something about yourself, the people you love, and the world of mental health and maybe laugh a little along the way. So go grab some tea and your favorite cardigan and we'll meet you on the couch. Hello guys. Well, today on Selfie, we're going to be answering a listener question about how to set family boundaries during the holidays without causing a scene. I know holidays are coming up, so this might be relevant for many of you. We're going to talk about the recent American Psychological Association's apology for perpetuating systemic racism and what that means for the field of psychology in general. But first, we're going to do a mental health check-in. Hey, Matthias. Hey, Kristen. Well, how is your mental health going this week? You know, it has been a really rough week. Yeah. Yeah. I um, have been, I mean, it has not been a long relationship. I have been, you know, seeing this guy for a bit and, I thought things were going really well, mm-hmm. but he like blindsided me and broke <sighs> up and it's just hard. Like it's so hard. I, it, you know, I think regardless of how long the relationship actually is. And when I say it wasn't very long, I mean two months, like we hadn't even made anything official yet. Like yeah. it was new, but just that, like, I really liked him. Yeah. And yeah. So Well, and I think more than the time spent, I think when you have allowed yourself to kind of go to the future, it can be really, really hard when you've sort of, you know, even if you haven't said it together as a couple, if you've kind of allowed yourself to walk down a road and then that road gets shut, that's really hard for me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's all of that. And yeah, I was working with just like processing it with some friends and and the realization that, you know, it touches on like, it's not even the grief isn't so much about him, although it certainly is tied to him, mm-hmm. but like all those core wounds <laughs> that oh my it gosh, touches on yeah. and, and the places where it opens up all those fears, all those yeah. things of like, ah, uh, yeah, it's worthiness stuff. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Breakups so. are so hard. Yeah. Yeah. Well, How have you been caring for yourself in the middle of that? I just, I've been taking things slow. Yeah. Again, like I have just, I am so grateful. I have such a good network of friends who are just, I mean, know me well, who can care for me well. So like a friend of mine, like door dashed lunch for me today. Mm-hmm. And, um, other friends have been calling and like, it just, I feel kind of surrounded by care good that helps a lot yeah yeah good i'm like i'm a seven on the enneagram and and that you know that that i only experience the upper half of emotion or so they say (laughs) like i mean that is a real temptation for me in breakups to like for me to actually be able to acknowledge my grief and sit Mm -hmm. in it it takes conscious effort and it's effort i don't like doing yeah it is always better for me to actually let myself cry mm-hmm. it may only be for like 10 minutes, mm-hmm. but <laughs> just mm-hmm. do it. And, and so I've been working on that too. Instead to of just... like, I'm going to be an Enneagram seven and club it out or 100%. I was like, I'm downloading Tinder right now. Totally. 
I'm very grateful that I did not have that ability when I was going through breakups. (laughs) We didn't have those apps yet, or I could have gotten myself into a lot of revenge trouble. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, it's a real temptation. Yeah. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. How about you? How have you been? I'm okay. Although I have to say, around this time every year, I do feel like I have a a kind of seasonal slump. Mm. I hate the time change. Yeah. Like stabby hate it. Mm. And I don't just mean like, oh, it's annoying. Like, I just feel like it really messes with me. Hmm. Hmm. Like just to, you know, kind of finish your day out of work and like, it's dark outside. Yeah. Sorry, you missed any, you know, like I'm sitting in my room. It's 5 p.m. My room is already dark. Yeah. I'm sitting in the dark. (laughs) Are you? (laughs) Well, because I haven't, you know, I usually, you know, work by sunlight and I haven't gotten up and turned lights on. But like, I hate that feeling. Like, I haven't even eaten dinner yet and it's dark. It's pitch black. Yeah. The short days. I just, I'm a sunlight girl. That's why I live where I live. And I just always feel like the fall is just like this dark, literally and figuratively, you know. Yeah. I don't know, like lack of vitamin D, just bummer. Yeah. How do you, because I know you live in Southern California where Mm -hmm. you do get a lot of sun. So like the Seattle answer to that question is like, we take vitamin D. But like, how do you cope with, I mean, the slump that you're getting in all, I mean, in all this darkness while still getting sun? Like, what do you do with that? Um, Self-loathing and... (laughs) Comfort eating? I don't, is that what you mean? I mean, yeah. Is that the kind of stuff that you meant? <laughs> totally. That'll do it. <laughs> yeah, I don't deal with it well. I mean, yeah. I guess, you know, in, in a perfect world, I would get out, I'd get up earlier and go for a walk while there's Ugh. some sunlight out, but I just don't, you know? Yeah, no, I just who don't. Wants to do that? Yeah, yeah, or go for a walk at lunch, but I just don't. And then every night at five, I'm like, what just happened? <laughs> Where's my son? But yeah, I mean, and I've tried, I, I literally have sitting on my desk, like this light, you know, that you're supposed to turn on and it's, oh yeah. I don't know. I don't feel like it really does anything. I've heard people swear by those things and I have, I have always too. been skeptical. I know. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, another solution would be getting more physical activity, but am I doing that? No. 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 I'm yeah. not. I should be, but I'm not. Um, it's because, so hard. Yeah. Well, and a big part for me is I like to do my exercising outside yeah. in nature, and then it's cold. And I know right. it's not that cold to most people, but to me, it's cold. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, that makes sense. And then you don't want to go out running or whatever at night. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. When it's yeah. dark. Right. No. I don't. So yeah, I don't know. I'm just being whiny about it. That's what I do. That's how I cope. I just whine about it for several months until it goes away. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, it works well. I mean, I guess there's some pluses and I, I need to lean into those maybe, you know, like find my higgy, find my coziness at home. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, just not really that person. I just feel like, you know, all of these solutions, because like that, I mean, we're just throwing all these things out. Like every single one of them is just more work. I know. 
But I do think that there are some people, like there are the people that are like fall and they can't wait to put a fire on and put a sweater on and like have tea. And like, that just doesn't appeal to me at all. Yeah. I yeah. want to be on a beach all year. Uh-huh. All uh-huh. year long. <laughs> so I don't know. I need yeah. to I need to get in touch with my inner fall person, but I don't know if I have one. I believe in you. I've heard uh, all you need to do is put on an infinity scarf. I do need an infinity scarf. I need like Christian girl fall. Yeah. That's I, I mean I think it like transforms you somehow. Maybe some Ugg boots. Yeah. Yeah. And a pumpkin spice latte and off you go. <sighs> Gross. I would never. I do not drink pumpkin spice lattes. <laughs> we have, my local coffee shop is doing a, a smashing pumpkins latte. Okay, that's kind of cute. That is, it's like caramel, actual pumpkin. Mm. So like it tastes like pumpkins, not the spice, but like actual mm-hmm. pumpkin. And charcoal, apparently we're still doing charcoal. Like it's, you know, five years ago. I don't know. But like, it's good. That's good. Charcoal. I don't know about charcoal with pumpkin. Oh, I don't even know why. I guess to make it black. Okay. Okay. I, it seems unnecessary. But I feel like we are a year away from finding out that all of this charcoal has been horrible for our bodies. Well, it ha- I mean. <laughs> like, I don't think we're supposed to be invest- ingesting this much charcoal. I don't feel like either. Like, I just... I, what. Like back when I was in in grad school, I worked at a bar, and like we literally had to tell people ordering drinks because we had charcoal drinks on the menu. Anytime anyone ordered them, we had to tell them, you know, charcoal will interfere with any medication right. that you're on. Like, and right. that whole spiel of like, totally, it's not you know going to necessarily do anything good for you if you're on any kind of medication. Like, <laughs> yeah, like it won't work. You will not absorb anything. Right. <laughs> Like, you were not getting any nutrients from your food. <laughs> like, it's eating everything up and <laughs> sending it through your body. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I'm down for a charcoal mask. Don't get me wrong. But I just oh, don't yeah. know about eating all of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, yeah I am I love my charcoal deodorant. Yeah. <laughs> That's a use that makes sense. But, like, put it in a latte. It just yes. makes no sense to me. Yeah. I thought we were done with that trend, but. Apparently not. I guess not. Yeah. (sighs) All right. Two thumbs up. What you got? Yeah. So I have this theory, Kristen, that the more uncomfortable your couch pillows are, Mm -hmm. the classier you are. You know, like I feel like... like I'm I'm buying it already, but (laughs) say more. Say more. (laughs) Anytime I go into someone's house who's like you know, had an interior designer or, you know, I perceive as having a lot of resources, like their couch pillows are particularly uncomfortable yes. and you don't want to sit on them. It's <laughs> so true. No, yeah. I do and, agree with this. So I went on a quest for uncomfortable pillows that were affordable. Okay. <laughs> <is> so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> How can I make people completely uncomfortable at a good budget rate? But I love these pillows. And I know this is not selling it, but I love these pillows. It's called Hemp Pillow. Hemp Hemp Pillow. Okay. On Etsy. It's this guy out of Turkey that turns old, like, Turkish rugs, textiles, whatever, into pillows. Oh, like, kill him. I- I'm totally into this. Yeah. I've and literally been looking for the same thing. This is oh my hilarious. Gosh. They're so cool, Kristen. And yes. the fun thing about them is that every single one of them is unique. Yes. Like, there are not multiples of any of them. And so I, like, 
when I ordered two and I got them and I was like, I am obsessed with these. And oh, like yeah. then went and ordered five more because I mean, they're so cool, so uncomfortable, impossible to clean, but they yes. look amazing. They look amazing. I'm going to give credibility to your claim because you know where I have literally been looking for these exact same pillows for my bed. But do you yes. know where I got the idea was from the Hotel San Jose in Austin, which is like the pinnacle of hipster design in Austin. Yes. yes. So you are onto something. Thank you. And yeah. they were very uncomfortable and very cute. <laughs> but I don't know. Do you actually sit with them on the couch or do you like move them around when you actually sit? Or do you uh, put them on your lap? I move them around. Well, what I do with these ones is because the, the backing on them is actually really comfortable. It's nice and soft. So I, if I am sitting with them, I just yeah. turn them around and okay. sit on the comfortable side. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they have like a fabric back and like yeah. a rug. It's basically a rug front. Yep. Yep, these are exactly. really cute. Aren't they so cool? <laughs> I'm for sure buying them. And they're yeah. like $35. Right. They're super, they're your affordable, uncomfortable pillows. <laughs> because I have been wondering this. Why are pillows so expensive? Like oh what is gosh. happening with pillows? Kristen, I had no idea. I, you know, had never bought pillows before. I, you know, was like, I'll go in and buy throw pillows for $10. Yeah, <laughs> LOL, $150 per pillow. Who knew? Like, I thought this really, truly, because I'm like, how can a pillow cost the same as a duvet cover? Like, what's right. happening? I do not know. Because, again, you know, we've established this. I grew up homeschooled. We, you know, sewed our own throw pillows. <laughs> Are you serious? Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> and so, yeah, when I started shopping, I was like, well, fuck, I'll just make my own. <laughs> right. Which you probably could. I mean, I could. who's sorry now about that homeschool <laughs> education? Who's winning? You. Okay, do you have... Here's a, here's a therapy pillow question. Yeah. Do you have pillows in your office where your clients sit? I do. Yeah. And... Do they get moved or do what happens with the pillows when your clients come in? Yeah, this is always so interesting to me because I, I'm all, I always pay attention to it. For people who are listening, this is gonna you're like my therapist pays attention to this. Uh -huh. <laughs> like, yes, like we do. Who, yeah, like who moves them? Who yes. just sits right down on them? Yes, who holds them on their lap? Like every person's different, and it's so interesting. When people hold them on their lap, I call it the vulnerability pillow. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> because it's like people need it to like share. Uh -huh. Like they hold it over their privates. Like, yes. <laughs> like this sort yes. of comfort. It's like the, yeah, the little. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? What are you, what are you learning about a client who just sits on a uncomfortable pillow and doesn't They're, move them? You know, they often, this is going to sound stereotypical, but like, I think it's in some ways true. Like they're, bulldozy people yeah like, and i don't mean that with any critique yeah. like it's yeah. just that's who they are and yeah they just plop on the couch regardless of where the pillow is at and yes yeah they can't yeah. advocate for themselves right i am that is me i am that person <laughs> just no it's fine i'm perfectly fine sitting with this pillow cutting into my back i'm fine <laughs> Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. Yeah. <laughs> As we speak, I am I have added five of these pillows to my Etsy cart. I just want this, you to know. This so, makes me so happy. You yeah, are an so influencer fun. and I have been influenced. <laughs> 
what is yours, Kristen? Well, this is going to come as a giant shock to my listeners, but I found a new serum. Mm. I have, I, I think that every other week I just have a new serum mm. because I'm obsessed with the serums, but you, this is, I love this one. Okay. It is from a company called Factor 5. They use human stem cell factors in their products. I'm not sure what that means. Um, it is possible that I have referred to this as my um, baby stem cell serum uh, <laughs> in uh. my own home. But that's not what it's made of. <laughs> I'm not doing them any favors right now. But um, it's so good. Yeah. It is so good. It, I swear my skin does feel different from using it. Okay. And so I use it morning and night. I, I know you're supposed to put a moisturizer over your serum, but I don't. Okay. Um, Ever? Not usually. Oh. No. I just put one little pump and I just feel like it is really like changing my skin. Wow. No, there, and I, I will say, I'm joking. Their stem cells are ethically sourced. Um, and it's like cruelty free and all that good stuff. Um, good. and free of parabens and all, you know, it's, it's pretty green, but oh my gosh, it's just, it's so good. Factor, factor five. They also make a really good eyelash growth, um, serum, hmm. but I'm in love with their face serum. This looks, I'm looking it up right now. This looks amazing. It's spendy, but, but a little goes a very long way. Yeah. That's how long does like a bottle last you? Uh, I mean, I've had a bottle for probably three months and it feels pretty full. Okay. Yeah. Neat. I might have to splurge on this. That's pretty good. Cool. All right. Let's go to our listener question, which is how do you set family boundaries during the holidays without causing a scene? Hmm. (laughs) Have you had experience with this, Kristen? I have. Um, (laughs) personal. (laughs) Yes. Personal and professional. Yes. Uh The answer is yes. I mean, I think the key to not causing a scene is that you have to set the boundaries before you show up. Yes. It's most likely you know what those trigger points are going to be. And you need to set it up well before everyone is seated around a table together. Mm Yeah. How about you? I mean. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, my family, they're not you know, super on board with my life choices is what your homosexual lifestyle, my homosexual lifestyle, your choice to live Uh the lifestyle. (laughs) They don't love it. So yeah, maybe you could just make different choices. (laughs) Yes. Without choosing. Yeah. I will bring a woman home someday. Okay. Oh, um, Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, that that first one that you just said feels key. The the setting the expectations before you even show up. That one feels huge because when you wait, and I have done this before, I've made this mistake of where it's like, you know, at the Thanksgiving table mm-hmm. and someone says something and it, you know, just devolves into chaos because yeah. that's when I decide to draw a line. And yeah, yeah. Like, it's not, it's not fun for anyone and it doesn't go well. Like, no. It's, yeah, that's not the. I mean, boundaries are always a good idea. It's always a good time to set a boundary, but that is just not a good time to yeah. <laughs> to set boundary. Ugh. 
No, and I mean, I have also, I have set a boundary um, with one of my family members that we're not talking race or politics. Yeah. And the la- at the last family gathering, this was at a child's birthday party. Um, this person was talking about those topics. And I said, hey, I have clearly outlined that I don't want this and I don't want my kids around this. And so we're done. And that was my first day in Florida. And we did not see that family member for the rest of the trip. Wow. I was just like, no. And so that's a part of it, too, is you have to set your boundaries up and then you have to be ready to follow them, even if it means you don't go back the next day, you know? Yeah. Well, and I feel like that that clarity piece of like not only setting the the boundary, the like what's okay and what's not okay, but also that piece of here's what happens. Here's the choice I'm going to make if you choose to break this boundary. Yes, yes. Like, and just making that clear too of like, you're welcome to violate this boundary, but here's what I'm going to do in response to that. Yes. Like that feels really important too. And then follow through. (laughs) And then follow through. Because a boundary is not telling someone else what they'll do. Right. A boundary is telling someone else you have agency, but this is what I'll do. This is how yeah. I will respond. And you can you can how you can say whatever you want. Mm-hmm. And you can talk about the COVID vaccine is the antichrist, but then I'm going to leave. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and and I think that's the kind of the, the situation where like that question of how do you do that without causing a scene? Like mm-hmm. if you're following through on a boundary, it likely may cause a scene. Yeah, but I think I I even think back to like there is this book that I read when my kids were young that was very popular called Parenting with Love and Logic. And the mm. whole gist of it was when you put a consequence up with a child, you do it very neutrally and very logically, right? So like, right. well, that is a bummer that you decided to do that on your phone. And so now you're not going to have a phone for a while. Yeah. And that's a bummer. And like, but you're not saying, I'm, I feel like I'm sounding, you know, pedantic or sarcastic like you you know you're not like you're just saying like that that's a bummer that that was your choice but but as we've discussed here's what i'm going to do and i think you have to do the same thing with family like it's not emotional it's just like yeah i if you remember i did say that if we talked about this i was going to leave so i am going to leave and then you leave without a scene like it's just a quiet exit right right and like and and yes like i think all of that is true and I think depending on your family dynamics or even your own ability to follow through on a boundary, like, like I think, I mean, I'm just thinking through some people I know of where like following through on a boundary physically hurts them. Yeah. Or like it, like say you're in a family system that you, maybe you have a mother who's on more of a like a borderline spectrum mm. <laughs> or an ex- I mean, I'll use language of kind of like explosiveness yeah um like you get up and walk out of a room like th- there's gonna be a scene right and, they and so, might get volatile right and loud right. yeah so like I, I think it's just it's hard to like I don't think it comes down to just like set good boundaries and there won't be a scene mm-hmm. but that, that's a good like, point yeah how how do you how do you still follow through and not have the scene be from you maybe <laughs> yeah that's a good point i mean it's almost like you need to create a safety plan you know like yeah. okay here's how i'm going to do it i'm going to use slip out and use the bathroom and then i'm going to 
quietly gather my children. I'm going to send them to the car. Then I'm going to go to the car and then I'm going to send a text. Yep. You know, if you know yeah. that things are going to get volatile, you you might ghost. Yeah. And like that would be okay. That would be okay. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. I mean, you just, I think around the holidays and family, you just have to do what you have to do to take care yeah. of yourself. Right. Right. And sometimes that means you don't get together. Right. Yeah. yeah. Mm, it's hard. It is hard. It's all very fraught. And I feel like we, we get this question every year, you know, mm-hmm. and we have this conversation every year. It's, it's just a big, it's a big one for people. And I feel like this is a big year for it too. Yeah. <laughs> Politically and, you know. It's yeah, it's a, it's a really big year. And, yeah, and it being the year that, you know, we're seeing our families again, maybe for the first time in I know. a while. Like, Yeah, last yeah. year was a little easier. Like, oh, COVID, can't get together. Can't so sorry. Bummer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am hightailing it to Lisbon, if that tells you anything about where my family's at. Yeah, that <laughs> sounds going to be amazing. out of the country. Yeah, I have friends coming from Canada, and so I'm excited about that. Nice. That'll yeah. be fun. Yeah, it will be. It's nice to be able to see our Canadian friends again. It, oh, it's so nice. I just yeah. got to see Sarah Bessie a few weeks ago. Oh, yeah. It's very nice. It's so good. Well, let's talk about this new announcement from the American Psychological Association, which is sort of, you know, as therapists, I mean, I wouldn't say it's our mouthpiece, but it's definitely a voice of authority for our field. Um, And so the APA, American Psychological Association, has been around since the 1800s. Um, They are, you know, they are, they are, they are a big role. Um, they play a big role for therapists, but they issued a statement recently um, on November, I think it was November 1st, where they apologize for their role in perpetuating systemic racism and also just the role in general that psychology has played in yeah. harming people of color for decades. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What, are, what are your thoughts about this? I think it's a really good first step. Yeah. Like, like I think that that place of, like, in order for us to repair harm, mm-hmm. <laughs> we have to acknowledge that harm has existed in the first place. And, like, it's true. Psychology has perpetuated so much racism and still does. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I yeah, I think it's an incredible first step. And talk about that. Like, how how has psychology... Because I think a lot of people don't understand that. People might think, well, psychology is just people are people. So psychology is, you know, just describing everyone. Everyone has shared psychology. So right. where does that fall short when we're talking about race? Yeah. I, you know, I there, there are many ways to answer that question. My mind goes to just the reality of, of the environment that what we would call psychology, how it has been you know, formed. We think of the, the founding fathers <laughs> yeah. of like Freud and I mean, all of these white analysts in Europe, white Northern European um, analysts creating this field. And, and mm-hmm. of course that, I mean, that bakes in bias immediately into the, the field and, and what is considered normal and what is considered not normal. And often those, those lines fall around skin color. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, that's been fleshed out all over the place in this field. And yeah, I wanted to give a couple examples of it. Um, 
that I could think of. So one thing that I that came to my mind, and, and I'll share this one because it was actually a personal bias that I held. Mm. I kind of grew up believing that a psychologically healthy person would move out of their parents' home at 18. Right. And so that was just psychology told us that, that if, you know, you're an adult child and you're still living with a parent, you must be enmeshed. There must be some weird codependency thing going on in just, you know, the appropriate healthy thing to do is you turn 18 and you move out. Yep. So then I, in my 20s, I bought the house that I still live in and I live on a very diverse street where there are a number of families from a number of different cultures. There are some... Um, Middle Eastern families, there are some Filipino families, there are some Chinese families, um, and some Mexican families where there are multiple generations living in one house. And not for financial reasons. Right. And I, when I moved in, was like, what the hell is wrong with these people? Mm-hmm. Why are all these people still like, what's going on? Why do they all still live in the same house? And what I have come to realize as I've gotten to know these families and come to respect these families is this is cultural for them. Like, why do they live in the same house? It's so that grandma can babysit when younger kids are going to work. It's so that when a pandemic comes, we have like a village, you know, I mean, and it's so interesting to me now Because as I've been around these families, I've completely shifted to thinking that the single family home model of family is like really flawed, actually, and that Mm -hmm. they're doing it right. Right, right. But this is coming from a place of bias and psychology, which says, you know, that there is a certain default way of doing things based on research of white people. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it makes me even think of the way we we treat therapy. Mm. <laughs> it, it, I mean, it, it really is a pretty white model that idea of a single person goes in and talks to another single person in an isolated room, like, and, and about like we, we've made it so individual. Mm-hmm. When I mean, there are a lot of of, of black therapists and, and other ther- and others who are critiquing that model of like we can't just address the individuals we have to address systems because we're we're part of systems and so much of of psychology has been focused on the individual and and not the systemic Um, yes very much so and then i think you know there's just so many um just aspects of interpersonal relating that you know psychology has decided like they've made moral um, judgments on a number of different factors, again, based on white culture, so that, you know, when people communicate more directly versus indirectly, for example, mm. we have a judgment on that with white being the default to healthy or filial piety, right? That's a big thing in Asian cultures, like deferring to your elders, wherefore in white culture, we would say like, oh, no, you need to strike out on your own. Like, you don't need to defer to elders. Like, we're individualist. Right. And so much of psychology has really been steeped in white values that don't necessarily cross culture. Yeah. Yeah. I've been learning so much from therapists on Instagram around this. And Mm. just want to shout out to there. I mean, there's so many who are doing this work, but decolonizing therapy yeah worth following i mean 
her work is incredible. Yes. Um, and then Gabe's Torres uh, is doing work from uh, uh, kind of queer person of color. Um, they're Filipino. Uh, and like their work is incredible as well. So I, I would recommend following both of those. <laughs> well, and while we're talking about how, you know, psychology has perpetuated systemic racism, psychology has also absolutely perpetuated homophobia. Oh, yeah. I mean, some of our founding fathers were just like literally straight up developing theories from homophobia. Right. Right. <laughs> like, I, like, why are we even in this field? It's really <laughs> offensive. <laughs> what yeah. the hell? We do not have a good history. No. Yeah. No, we don't. So, yeah. yeah. Well, let's pop links to both of those folks in um, our show notes. Yes. Um, and then maybe we can repost a couple of their things on our Instagram as well, because those yeah. sound like interesting follows that I want to see too. Mm -hmm. So good. Yeah. Hey, thanks for listening. Just a heads up. We're therapists, but we're not your therapists. This podcast is not a substitute for therapy, and by making it, we're not rendering psychological or other professional services. If you need therapy, we recommend you track down someone to help. Join us online for more of the conversation in our Selfie Community Facebook group or on Instagram at, at Selfie Podcast. 